The following sermon is brought to you by ThePreachersVault.com, bringing old-time preaching to a new generation. We have come with open hearts, oh, let the ancient words Let us express our appreciation to God Almighty that we might be able to assemble on a day like this serve and worship the God of heaven. Next Sunday, the Lord willing, I want to discuss a passage that's found in 1 John chapter 5. John says, These things I've written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. We live in a world in which there's much anxiety. How wonderful it is that we can know where we stand before God Almighty. What God requires of us and we can know whether or not we've done that. John discusses some things in the book of John to show us where we stand, where we are. We're going to talk about those next Sunday. As I announced last week, I want to talk this morning about the subject, Be Ye Thankful. The passage that was read to you this morning shows that we ought to be thankful to God and offer thanksgivings to Him. Of course, we do not observe thanksgiving as a religious holiday, and we ought to be thankful every day of our life. If you have your Bible, turn with me, and I want to read three passages this morning in the beginning of the lesson. In the book of Philippians, in the fourth division of that book, Verse 5, beginning, says, Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Then in the Ephesian letter, in the fifth division of that letter, verse 18 beginning, And be not drunk with wine when is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally in the Colossian letter, in the third division of that letter, beginning with verse 14. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which you were called into one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing in great, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. All of the passages that I've read this morning point to the fact that 
God's people are to be a thankful people. As we read from Colossians 3 and verse 15, the last phrase in that verse, be ye thankful. Certainly we are a blessed people. We enjoy blessings that have never been enjoyed by mankind that lived in any other time in this earth. You and I, of course, enjoy the privileges that we enjoy by living in this country, being able to have the freedoms that we have, being able to express those freedoms that we have, and along with that, the responsibilities that we have. Some of us were talking just a few moments ago concerning the grave responsibility that rests upon the President of the United States and all those who serve in government. The Apostle Paul directed his mind toward that in 1 Timothy 2, but we won't have time to discuss that this morning. We're to pray for those who have the rule over us and pray for all men. We're to pray for our government and those who are in authority. That's what 1 Timothy 2 says. But I want to discuss some other things this morning for which we ought to be extremely thankful we ought to express that thanks and that appreciation to God Almighty. In the first place, let me suggest unto you that we ought to be thankful for those who have lived before us and who have been faithful to God. In the Roman letter in the first division of that letter, the Apostle Paul says in verse 14, I am a debtor, both of the Greeks and the barbarians, both of the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel unto you that at Rome also. The Apostle Paul realized that he was a debtor. We are in debt to those who have lived before us, those who lived from the time that man sinned, who were faithful to God Almighty, those in the Old Testament through whom the channel of blessing was brought down, those who were there when our Lord was crucified, who continued faithful with our own Pentecost, the apostles who proclaimed the message of the gospel of Christ, those faithful men who stood for right no matter what might come. Read the book of Acts and you'll see there are those who will stand for right in the face of persecution. Stephen, who gave his life for the cause of Christ. We owe a great debt of gratitude for those who have gone before. We owe a great debt because under their hands was commended the gospel of Christ. We need to recognize the fact that these who were faithful to God were a channel of blessing for us, particularly the apostles as they carried out their responsibilities even in the face of great persecution. Our Lord has something to say about that in the fourth division of the book of John. Verse 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh the heart. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth the fruit unto eternal life. Both he that soweth and they that reapeth might rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon you have bestowed no labor. Other men have labored, and you're to let enter into their labor. 
Would we be here this morning as children of God if we didn't know a debt of gratitude to others who went before? Our Lord said other men of light. You're to enter in that light. We express our thanksgiving to God as we do enter into that light. In the 15th chapter of the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul was taking up a collection to send to the saints that were at Jerusalem who were needy. And he said in verse 27, It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles had been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty also is to minister unto them in carnal things. Hear those through whom they had heard the gospel of Christ. And he said, you're debtors to them. You need to recognize the debt that you owe. We ought to think with great gratitude concerning those who have gone before. Think of Abraham and all the patriarchs who did not enjoy the same blessings that you and I enjoy. Turn to the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And see the Apostle Paul as he writes concerning these Old Testament men. Beginning back with Abel. And talks about the sacrifice that Abel had offered in verse 4. Enoch, how that Enoch had been faithful to God. Noah, Joseph, and Abraham, all these great patriarchs. And then he says, What shall I say for the time will fail me to tell of Gideon? Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David also, and Samuel of the prophet, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, as they may obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mocking, scourging, jade, moreover bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sown asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having attained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise. But God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us would not be made perfect. We're all dead. There are those in the Old Testament time that didn't enjoy the privileges that you and I enjoy, yet they were faithful to God. Look forward to the coming of the Messiah into this world. We ought to thank God for it. We owe a debt to those restoration preachers who endured the hardships that they endured. Barton W. Stone, Alexander Campbell, Thomas Campbell, many others who endured hardships. Abner Jones, so that the gospel of Christ might be restored. They weren't perfect men. We need to go back to the Bible to speak where the Bible speaks, remain silent where the Bible is silent, and yet we owe a great debt to them. What they did in restoring New Testament Christianity. Where would you and I be today 
had it not been for the work that these have done. We ought to be thankful for all those who have lived before us. And we're their debtors. We ought to be thankful for them. But then again, we have a great responsibility of thankfulness because we have God's Word. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live without a completed Bible? Have you ever thought about what it would be to live in Old Testament times when God's revelation was incomplete? Or what it even be like to live as the church was established on the first Pentecost after the resurrection of our Lord? And there is a work to be carried out, and you don't have no New Testament. And yet you are to carry on the work of our Lord. How difficult it would be. In the first Corinthian letter, in the 13th division of that letter, they had a problem at Corinth concerning these spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul talks about the temporary nature of these gifts. And he says, Charity never faileth, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part. And we prophesy in part. I like the New Berkeley translation of that passage. It says, we know fragmentary. And that's what they had. They had fragmented knowledge. They didn't have all of God's will. What a wonderful privilege it is that we enjoy having a Bible. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part, that which is childish would be done away. We have a Bible. Do we really thank God for that Bible? That we have revealed unto us all the mind of God, Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith, Jude 3, which is once and for all delivered unto the saints. Are we thankful for that? We have the privilege of going to the book to answer any question that might come up. Any problem that might be ours answers that. We have a completed faith revealed to us. In the third division of the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul talks concerning this very thing. And he says, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mysteries I wrote afore in a few words. Whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Now how'd you like to live back there with Abraham? You've got a promise. God said through thy seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You rely upon that promise. Is God going to keep that promise? You're old. You don't have the seed of promise. How wonderful it is that you and I can take our Bible and we can read Genesis 12. We can come down to Isaac being born. Finally come down to Galatians 4 and 4 where the Bible says in the fullness of time God sent forth his son born of a woman. And there's a virgin birth born under the law. We know God will keep his promises. 
How reassuring. Think of the assurance that you and I have today that they didn't have. The messengers, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 8, desired to look into these days. They looked forward in anticipation, and yet they didn't have all of God's complete revelation. Can you imagine what would have taken place in the life of one of the early congregations of the Lord's people if they had this book? Would they lay it on the shelf? Or would they be thankful for it? Well, to be ashamed. We've got a perfect law of liberty, James 1, verse 25, and yet we don't study that like we are. Hosea 4, verse 6, the book says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We express our thanks for this book when we take the book and study it and apply it to our life. Out of that, we ought to be thankful for the fact that we live in the Christian dispensation of time. The day and age in which you and I live is the day and age that has been looked forward to by all the peoples of the Old Testament. They anticipated what joy would there be in the life of Abraham could he live today. We really realize the privileges that we enjoy as God's children, as Christians. Think of the animal sacrifices that were offered by the Jews as they approached God's throne through the priesthood of Judaism. Are we thankful that we have the perfect sacrifice? We thankful for the privileges that we have. Are we thankful in the fourth place for our families? Be ye thankful. Wives, are you thankful for Christian husbands? Let me read a passage to you. Turn again to the third division of the book of Colossians. Verse 17. And whatsoever ye do and word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. That's what he's talking about. We give thanks for our husbands' wives. We express that through submission. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Are we thankful for our Christian wives? He said, be thankful. If we express that thanks, we express it in our love for them. Love as Christ loved. What about we as parents and our children? Children, obey your parents. All thankful. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. We thankful for the children that we have in Psalms 127 and verse 3. The Bible says children are heritage from the Lord. What about our children? Young people, are you thankful for having Christian parents? You know, sometimes they won't let us do things that our friends do. We're not able to participate in some of the things that others can 
Are you thankful, young men, that Daddy says you be in at 11 o'clock or whatever time this day is on Thursday night or Friday night? That there's an appointed time when you've got to come home? You may not appreciate that now, but one day you will. I think you appreciate it now. And they say, we want you to be in at a certain time. They say, I love you. I care for you. I'm concerned about you. Think of all of those today who have parents who lack that kind of concern. Paul says the way for you to express that is to obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Your obedience to them expresses that thankfulness that you ought to have for them. But then again, in the fifth place, are we thankful for the Lord's church? The Ephesian letter, you have a divine commentary upon the Lord's church. We read from the third chapter and he said that there were those who had desired to look into these days that we enjoy. Verses 10, he says, to the intent that now the principality and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are we thankful to be a part of the Lord's church? Do we really appreciate the blessings that we enjoy as the children of God? Back in the first chapter, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Are we really thankful for the privileges that we have as God's children? In chapter 3 and verse 21, he says, Unto him be the glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, where without end. Amen. The division of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul asked the brethren their question. I think we need to seriously consider it. He says, What have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. The problem was, verse 18, that there were divisions among them. Because they were not united in heart and soul, because they were not united in their judgment, the Apostle Paul said, you despise the church of our Lord. We need to work for unity and plead for unity. We need to live unity. We need to be united in the work of the Lord. Real unity is expressed in our work and our appreciation for the blessings of God. Someone made the point this morning in our Bible class. Everything that we have comes from God Almighty. What is that that God has not provided? What is that that God has not given to us? Nothing. But then again in the sixth place, we ought to be thankful for our talent. I'm not going to read this morning from Matthew 25 and the parable of the talents. We know what that says. The man who had one talent failed to use that talent. He wasn't thankful for it. He took that talent and that talent to him had become work. Drudgery. 
And he buried that talent in the ground. Because he did, he lost. I want to read to you some passages this morning from your New Testament along this line. Turn first again to the Ephesian letter. The Apostle Paul in this very same chapter that we've been studying says this. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. What do you mean, Paul? There are different functions in the Lord's church. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to a unity of the knowledge of the faith. Well, what are you supposed to do with those talents? We read it a few moments ago. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Well, I don't have much talent. I just do not have very much. And so there are others who have more. And so what am I to do with what little I do have? Listen to this. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundant above that which we think or ask, according to the power that work in us. God gave it to us. He knows what we've got. But he can do abundantly above that that we can think or ask. Turn to the second chapter of the book of Philippians. Verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Well, I ain't got much. It's God. You take anyone and separate them from God, and what have they got? They stand alone. But with God on your side, you've got a multitude. It is God that worketh in you both to will and do his good pleasure. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This has to do with giving. One of the ways we express our thankfulness for what God Almighty has given and provided for us. Verse 8. And God is able. Well, I haven't got much and I can't do much. Do you have a God? Is he poor? One of my best friends when I lived at Livingston was a black preacher at Democlis. And they always drove a Cadillac. Somebody had asked him about that Cadillac, and he said, I serve a big God. And he believed that. We need to believe that we serve a big God. This passage said, and God is able to make all great bound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto every good work. Where's the good work that the Lord wants to be done that we can't abound in when we'll say, here I am, God use me. Problem's not the fact that our God's too small. We're not thankful. If we're thankful, then we'll allow God to use us. Look at what he says in verse 14 and 15. And by prayer for you, which we long after you exceeding, the grace of God in you, but thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. 
Why, when we serve God, we don't serve God so that we might gain anything out of it. Turn to 1 Peter 4.11. We've quoted that passage so much, I don't think we know what it says. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Usually that's where we stop. If any man minister, and that means serve, let him do it with the ability that God giveth. Not that I had on my own, that I earned, that I worked for, but with the ability that God Almighty gives me. That God and all things might be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. We're not serving like we ought in the kingdom of God. We're unthankful. We're ungrateful. We despise the blessings that God has given to us. Look at what Matthew 25 says. Here's an individual who has ability given by God. He gave him a talent. He didn't use it. Take that unprofitable servant and cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I believe that one of the besetting sins of mankind is ingratitude. God has provided his grace for us. We live in the kingdom of God. Those who live before faithful to God look forward to these days and yet we enjoy these privileges. We have the spiritual blessings that's in Christ but do we appreciate those blessings? We take these blessings and use them for God's service. Paul in Philippians 4.13 said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think the problem is we don't appreciate what's out. And the privileges that we have. In the 17th division book of Luke, there were 10 lepers who were cleansed. One of them had come back. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, verse 16, giving thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. We appreciate our blessings in Christ. We show God our thankfulness and our service to Him. Finally, God has provided for us His grace. Are we thankful for it? Jesus died on the cross that we might be saved. Romans 6 verse 23 says... For the wages of sin is death. You know what that means? Have you sinned? Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous. No, not one. You ought to die. But he died for you. 2 Corinthians 5 in the last verse he says, Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Are we thankful for it? He comes on over in the 8th division of 2 Corinthians after saying him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. He says in verse 9, For we know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. 
And then he says in chapter 9 and verse 15, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. There's a gift we couldn't provide. No way. Yet God provided. Do we appreciate redemption? Do we show that appreciation to God by our service? A life for a life. Our life for his. And finally, let me say, we ought to be thankful for our brethren. The Apostle Paul, in closing the Colossian letter, talks about the brethren that were there that had comforted him. Colossians 4, verse 8. And he said in verse 11, And Jesus, which is called Justice, who are the circumcision, only these are my fellow workers in the kingdom of God, have been a comfort to me. Think of how sad it'd be to walk down the pathway of a life as a Christian alone. There's the exhortation that we have for one another. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. The Apostle Paul says concerning those who are the children of God, let us consider one another, provoke one another to love and good works. We ought to be a comfort to one another. In Romans, the first chapter, the Apostle Paul writes concerning the brethren there. Verse 12, he says that he had desired to see them. That is, that I might be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. How wonderful to have Christian brethren. Those who put the Lord first in life. Why? Because they appreciate their blessings. Are we thankful? We need to search our hearts this morning. Do we really appreciate what the Lord did for us when Christ died on the cross? Are we ungrateful? You know, the Lord cleansed ten lepers. Leprosy in the Old Testament is a picture of sin. We've been cleansed from sin. The Lord said, where are the nine? Could that be a fit commentary on our gratefulness to God Almighty for what he has done for us, what he has provided? He provides for all our needs, Philippians 4 and verse 19. Are we grateful to him for it? Let us be thankful every day of our life, not just one day, not just one week, but every day of our life. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, the Lord died for you on the cross. Why not this morning accept the grace of God that's in Christ? Don't turn that down. We can spurn it. We can frustrate the grace of God. Galatians 2 and verse 21. But don't do that. Accept his sacrifice for you. Through your faith, your repentance, your confession of Jesus before men, you're being buried by your Lord in baptism for the remission of your sins. To rise from the water grave of baptism, a new creature in Christ. And then serving. Your subject, won't you come as together we stand and sing?